Good morning, church. <laughs> Buenos dias. Um, sisters and brothers in Christ, just as nature has its times and seasons, each which is important, so in the providence of God does human nature. There is a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time for the early and the later rain. It is most certainly true. Thanks be to God. Today we rejoice because our youth are on the same gracious pilgrimage in faith as we are. Having been drawn by God's word, by holy example, by the sacraments, and by prayer. We know that their journey has only begun. Yet we are confident that God, who began a great work in them, will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. Let us give thanks to God who awakens faith in them and also in us. I'd like to invite Greta, Luke, and Oliver to come up to lead us in the Apostles' Creed. Do you believe in God? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And we can read the parts that say all. What does this mean? It means that God has created me in all that exists. He has given me and preserves my body and soul with all their powers. He provides me with food and clothing, home and family, daily work, and all I need from day to day. There should be more. God also God protects me in time of danger and guards me from every evil. All this he does out of fatherly and divine goodness and mercy, though I do not deserve it. Therefore, I surely ought to thank and praise, serve and obey him. This, this is, is most certainly true. And church, all of us, do you believe in Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into Hades. The third day he, he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Confirmads, what does this mean? It means that Jesus Christ, true God, Son of the Father from eternity, and true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord. He has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, saved me at great cost from sin, death, and the power of the devil, not with silver of gold, but with his holy and precious suffering and death. All this he has done that I may be his own, live under him in his kingdom, and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, 
just as he is risen from the dead and lives and lives and rules eternally this is most certainly true church do you believe in the holy spirit i believe in the holy spirit the holy christian church the communion of saints the forgiveness of sins the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting amen confirmads what does this mean? It, it means that I cannot, by my own understanding or efforts, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, and sanctified and kept me in true faith. In the same way he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it united with Jesus Christ in the one true faith and with the whole church body on heaven and earth. In this Christian church, day after day, he fully forgives my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give me and all the believers in Christ eternal life. This is most certainly true. Amen. Thank you. Amen. That's some deep, good theological truth they just dropped. <laughs> Today we celebrate and mark the growing independence of Greta, Oliver, and Luke as they come alongside, as we come alongside them as a loving church home that embraces them where they are. Confirmation Sunday highlights the partnership between the gathered church and the home of the continuing Christian nurture of children. Confirmation is not just a course study in which one completes regurgitated lines someone just memorizes. It's one more step in the lifelong process of strengthening their faith so that they may increasingly live in, as authentic disciples of Jesus Christ. It also serves as an encouragement by the church family to continue their faith journey alongside those who at various stages of their own discipleship like many of us here also, that we may graciously confirm these students as far as their faith has grown to this point, even with their doubts and disbelief. As an act of the church, confirmation affirms these students as belonging within the circle of the church's care and responsibility, loving them where they are at in their personal spiritual journeys. For those of you who are new to the church or to the covenant, Confirmation is a two-year program of 7th and 8th graders where we meet twice a month to learn about the tenets of the Christian faith. Over the past year, um, or a year ago, Mark and I uh, sat down and listened to our mentors and parents, um, and we began to rewrite the curriculum from scratch um, to focus more deeply on 10 core theological concepts that engaged with education, expression, and experience. Each student is matched up with a mentor who walks with them. Um, and this next year, we have a pretty good-sized group of seventh graders coming in. And if you feel like God is laying that upon your heart uh, to be a mentor, you can come talk to Mark or myself. 
We learn in Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9, that the Israelites began formally training their children at a young age. Their education and nurture in the Lord was utmost of importance. This is what it says. These are the commands, decrees, and laws of the Lord your God directed to me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy a long life. Hear, O Israel, be careful to obey so that it will go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. These commands I give you today are on your hearts Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Jews have the culmination of this training called a mitzvah service. And in the New Testament, we seek the importance of Jesus um, that he places upon the children when he says to the kids, such is the kingdom of God. Confirmation in the covenant is twofold. It's educational and relational. And educationally, these students um, have the opportunity to systematically explore God's word, uh, learn basic theological concepts, and the importance of living out their faith in really relevant ways. Uh, we offer them uh, enter and offer an opportunity to have a real relationship with Jesus. You know, a major focus in middle school uh, is learning to think for yourself and to develop your own identity. The opportunity to engage in a systemic uh, exploration of God and scripture during this time uh, of adolescence is truly significant. Relationally, the students develop discipling relationships with their pastors and mentors, um, and there is a continuing emphasis on the discipling relationship between parents and children. Whatever point the students are in their faith, we hope that this balance of learning and relationship will be the priority of the confirmation process. I've worked with young people, mostly college students, um, for a number of years, and one of the things I always tell them is that I'm more concerned with the honest answer than the right Christian answer, because I believe that that is what God is most interested in hearing from us, too. These young people today come with just that. They're brave, bright, brilliant hearts and minds. And let us practice living out the kingdom of God by welcoming them with sincerely embracing them where they are. I'd like to invite uh, Greta and Changhua to first come up. <laughs> so Changhua has been serving as her mentor and she's going to introduce Greta. Uh, my name is Chongwa Kim, 
and I have had the pleasure and the privilege of being here and walking with Greta for the last few years. And um, so I, just, I, get to, I get to introduce you today. Um, Greta is currently in eighth grade at Jackson Middle School, and in the fall she'll be at Wilson High School. Uh, the best way that I can conjure up a word to describe Greta is joy. Um, her smile lights up the room and she has a way of making those around her feel seen and feel like they belong. Um, she loves people and understands the importance of relationships in her life. Um, she is kind and she's compassionate. And what I love most about Greta is that she is authentic and real. She's not afraid to be who God has called her to be. She's willing to try new things, do what she loves, and unapologetically be the leader in her life. These qualities get me excited to see what God has planned for her. So as I was praying for you, the verse that came uh, to me is from Ephesians, Ephesians 3, 16 through 20. So I'm going to read that for you. I pray that out of God's glorious riches, that God will strengthen you with power through God's spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ, and to know that this love that surpasses all all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to God's power that is at work within us, to God be the glory in, in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Have you ever oh yeah have you <laughs> have you ever had that experience where someone you loved was supposed to meet you at a certain time and was running late Of course you don't assume it's a big deal right away but then you start to worry This has happened to me just a few times with my parents <laughs> They say oh we're just going out for a quick dinner and we'll be back by 10 The time quickly flies by and I notice that it's 10:10 I think, oh, it's fine, they're just running late, they'll be home any minute. 10.20, I sneak a small text asking when they'll be home. 10.30, they didn't answer my text. Oh no, now I'm actually worried. 10.40, my mind jumps to, they got in a car crash and are dead. 10.50, I spam text them over and over and over again, asking, where are you, where are you, where are you, question mark, question mark, question mark. 11 o'clock, I'm sitting in my bed, crying. 11.05, my parents come home and instantly get upset with me for spam texting them. <laughs> Have you ever had worry at the center of your life and there is nothing you, that you could bring you relief? Philippians 4, 6 through 7, the message says, Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. 
For me, when we displace worry at the center of our lives and put God at the center of our lives, then there is a sense of relief because God is good and will always be with us. One major thing I take away from this passage is that God is always with you and he will never leave. God is always there but doesn't necessarily always text back. God is silent sometimes, but he is still there for us and will never leave us. And we don't have to worry about him dying because he already did and he resurrected. During my spiral of thoughts through my parents' date night, the only time I feel relief is during and right after prayer. God relaxes me and reminds me that he is with me and that he will be with me forever. Deuteronomy 31.6, the message says, Be strong, take courage, courage, don't be intimidated. Don't give them a second thought because God, your God, is striding ahead of you. He's right there with you. He won't let you down. He won't leave you. Another major thing I take away from this passage is God has a plan for us that is good. Although it may not seem like it in times of worry or fear, his plan for us will turn out good. My thoughts during time of worry feel like broken glass. They are scattered, and it feels like they will never come back together. In the passage, it says, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for the good, will come and settle you down. I feel like after I pray, my thoughts come back together again. It's like God's wholeness makes my thoughts whole. When you displace worry at the center of your life and put God at the center of your life, there's a sense of relief because God is good and will always be with you. So trust that God has your back. In times of worry, rather than letting the worries take over your life and thoughts, turn towards God and let him take care of it. So next time you worry, take a deep breath and pray. Know that God has a plan, he is good, and that he is always with you. My name is Bill Gilmore, and I've had the privilege of being uh, <laughs> Oliver's mentor for, the, for this process. Um, Oliver attends the uh, Arts and Communications Magnet Academy in Beaverton, and it's a 6th through 12th grade school, so he'll continue there through high school. Um, Oliver is very artistic and creative. Um, in fact, his artistic and creative ability often astounds me partially because I am not artistic and creative. I'm, a, I'm an accountant. So. <laughs> if I get too creative, I end up in prison. So, <laughs> But some of the stuff that Oliver does is um, just, just freehand, just amazes me. And, and the other thing, um, the way Oliver expresses his creativity is, is often in the clothes he wears. Sometimes Sunday morning he'll come into Sunday school and he's wearing like every color of the rainbow or he's mixing plaids with stripes, whatever else his creative genius comes up with. And, and I just love that about him because he, he's not afraid to be himself. You know, he just, he just is who God created him to be. Um, Oliver is very uh, thoughtful and caring. Um, he is what I call just a, a gentle soul. And um, he also has this sly sense of humor that uh, I really appreciate. Uh, also, Oliver is, he's very chill. 
Um, in the youth group, we have some big personalities. Don't worry, Greta and Luke, I'm not going to mention any names. <laughs> but sometimes with those big personalities, chaos ensues. And so I'll look over and I'll see Oliver sitting on the couch, often cross-legged, just nibbling on his Pop-Tart while students are exploding all around him, you know. Um, Oliver is also very quiet, so you often have to search and really pull out his, his thoughts and his ideas, but whenever you take the time and the effort to, uh, to do that, it's, it's always worth it. So, I know we're supposed to keep this short, but I just have to tell one short story. So, a little over a year ago, Oliver was doing uh, gymnastics, and so I wanted to go to one of his meets, and so, so Lane sent me his, his schedule, and some of them were out of town, and others were on, on days I couldn't make it, but there was this one Saturday where it was going to be close by here in Beaverton, and I didn't have anything scheduled, so I told Lane and Oliver I was going to make it to that meet. Well, then it turned out that that was going to be the Saturday that the council and commissions were going to get together to work on the church budget. And since I was the treasurer at the time, I was supposed to run that meeting. So I called Lane and I talked to her and she said, well, his meets go for like, like four hours. So, you know, so I looked at the schedule and I thought, okay, I can still make most of it. And so that morning I'm in the budget meeting, I'm just keep looking at my watch, going, okay, we got to get through this. So anyway, I, I dash over to his meet and um, fortunately they were, they'd gone around to all of the apparatuses to warm up first and they were at the last apparatus to warm up on, so I was going to be there for the, for the whole competition. And I walk in, and I see Chris and Lane there, and, and Jaron and Michael were there with baby Bella. And, uh, and I go in, and I see Oliver standing in line for the, for the vault. And they, have a, they had a barrier between the athletes and the, and the spectators with kind of openings around. And, and so I saw Oliver, and, and he looked over and he saw me, and I, I was expecting, you know, like, you know. But that's, that's not Oliver's style. He, uh, he steps out of line, goes running to the, to the opening, comes running to the spectators, comes up and gives me a big hug, and then runs back and gets back in line. And it's like, that was exactly what I needed. So Oliver, I, I have uh, two verses for you. It's from Romans 12, um, verses 1 and 2. And this is uh, from the message. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to school, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God has, what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm just as tall as he am. 
so that I don't have to rewrite this. I'm going to introduce myself a second time. Okay. My name is Oliver Dewan. I'm in eighth grade, and I enjoy rock climbing, parkour. Is working? I can't tell. Yes. Okay, guys. Still unlocking the mysteries of this thing. Um, and I was a regional champion gymnast. I've been coming to West Hills for four years, and I love it here. I've always been a little different. I had long hair, I wasn't into sports, and I loved to draw. I went to a Christian elementary school, and while I was there, there was a debate over whether or not boys could have long hair. And when my school got a new principal that didn't want boys to have long hair, I was heartbroken. I was so confused, because many powerful figures in the Bible had long hair. So why couldn't I? This is about the time when I started to realize that some people put certain traits into categories, like boys have short hair, girls like the color pink, boys like sports, and so on and so forth. One thing that people don't typically categorize is art. I could make whatever I wanted without people telling me if it was for boys or for girls. I could be creative and make things that were realistic, abstract, or just downright weird with only a pencil in my imagination. In 2016, I came to ACMA, the Arts and Communications Magnet Academy. It has opened up my mind to a lot of things, the main one being that it's okay to be different. All these people enjoyed themselves and got to be whoever they wanted without a care that someone might be judging them. It made me realize that being yourself is something to be proud of and something that a lot of people don't do because they're too afraid. Okay. Romans 12.2 do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I like this verse because it says that God made me to be who I am and that I shouldn't be drawn into how the world thinks I should be, but how God wants me to be. One thing about being an artist, at least for me, is that it makes me appreciate how creative God was when he made the earth. He did so much more than he had to. He could have made a large field and stuck Adam and Eve in it, but no, he didn't do that. He made trees, whales, mountains, and all the ingredients for a delicious taco. But most importantly, he made us in his own image, which made us creative as well. I like to think of the earth as God's big art project. He started with a simple base and then continued to add things until it was just right. Everything being just right doesn't mean that it's only perfect one way. Differences are what make us special, and God loves everyone. I mean, think about John the Baptist. People thought he was a total nutball, but God chose him to baptize Jesus. It's okay to be different, and God loves me no matter what. I thought I was going to be really cool and read this off my phone, but I have no idea how to do that. So. 
And it's on silent, so don't worry. Um, I'm Dave Carlson, and this is Luke Palau. I have some interesting information for you regarding Luke. <laughs> Luke was born on June 30th, 2005, Good Samaritan Hospital, 8.36 in the evening, 9 pounds, 3 ounces, 21 inches long, and a very full head of hair. Parents, Steve and Megan, and big brother to Eli. The Palau's and the Carlson's have been kind of a tribe for a lot of years, so it's a privilege. What's that? Family Camp Alliance. Yeah, there's a lot of history there, and so it's a privilege to be uh, able to walk uh, alongside Luke as he's growing up. Um, he's an eighth grader. Deep Creek Middle School in Damascus, and he has uh, some interests in sports. Basketball is an interest, but his real passion is for soccer. Um, Luke has some other interests, some passions. Reading, uh, one that a lot of people don't know, he's very interested in yard work and household chores. And he's uh, passionate about anything outdoors, hiking, backpacking, mountain climbing. Uh, Luke is a very talented actor and has been in five plays already, including two leads. And uh, so I had the privilege of seeing for the first time The Lion King and Aladdin as uh, interpreted by the lead, Luke. So I haven't seen the movies or anything else yet, but I, if they're as good as the play, I'm sure they'll be popular. <laughs> Luke, Luke does have, as has been mentioned prior, uh, a big personality. And he is funny. He has a quick wit, um, sharp at times, and I would say a strong personality. Um, when I asked him if he thought he was caring, he said, most of the time. Um, he does remind me of some eighth graders that uh, I know and love that I had the pleasure of walking with 17 and 20 years ago as they were going through confirmation. They turned out okay. Um, when I think about a, something that uh, especially defines Luke, I would say it's determined. And uh, the quick story that illustrates that is uh, not too long ago, a group of men, pretty strong, hardy, athletic young men, uh, were going to go climb Mount Adams, which if uh, on a clear day you look out of Portland and there's three snow-covered mountains, that's the one that's kind of in the background. And it's the tallest, taller than Hood, uh, taller than obviously St. Helens, since it top blow off of that. And, and uh, somehow they invited Luke to go along on this trip. And I thought, well, that's going to be interesting because uh, I know that's a tough, tough mountain climb. It's a long climb. And we were very interested, a little worried about how that was going to go. And uh, 
but his grit, his determination, he was not going to get left behind. He wasn't going to get left near the top. And somehow, um, with guys whose stride was probably triple his length, and uh, <clears throat> Luke made it to the top and uh, has added that to his, uh, his resume of things he's accomplished. Um, I, I'm impressed that you take your faith seriously. I'm encouraged by what I see in you as a young man, and I'm excited about what God is going to do with you. The, uh, the scripture that I had has been used already today a couple times, but it's a darn good one. So there's nothing wrong with reading it one more time. Uh, this is from Romans, and uh, this is something that I think, Luke, you picked out as uh, part of your sharing. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. All right. One thing Dave might have forgot to mention is what a bad public speaker I am. Let me fix that. That works. That work? Okay. Ah, that's good, that's good. So my little mini-sermon today, it's kind of already been used, thanks Oliver, um, uh, is on, it's, it's on one or, one or two questions. Number one, who are you listening to? Are you listening to God or society? Number two, who are we listening to, God or society? And unfortunately, what I've noticed, um, not only through listening to like the news and stuff, but also listening to myself and my friends, is that our view of God is so, it's changed by society. Because there's very little God, God so to speak, in society. Are, are we conforming to what society says of us, or are we sticking to what God says? What, what are the kids getting taught in school? Are they getting taught what God is saying, or what society is saying? And uh, I found this verse, or Oliver found this verse, or Bill found this verse, or Dave found this verse. Uh... Romans 12, 2, but I'm not going to do the first one. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I don't even think I needed to read that again, but it's pretty straightforward. When you conform to the patterns of the world, as it says, you can't always see what God wants you to do. And the place where I've dealt with this is the most, and the most is in school. For the past three years in middle school, I've had to deal with a very progressive evolutionist teacher that brings politics and religion into the classroom, constantly trying to convince me and my classmates what was right. And when I started to think, well, hey, maybe they aren't wrong, maybe they have a point, I had to go back and renew my mind, so to speak. I had to go read the Bible. I had to remind myself what was true. Because when society tries to compress and shift our view of God, you know, we just have to brush it off. If we stick to God, then you, you can't lose, you can't go wrong. And the saddest thing to me is how it's everywhere. I mean, society slips into churches and schools, and I'm most afraid for the smaller kids who don't know quite what they believe yet. And if they don't hear Jesus, they're going to hear society, and society's going to take them. 
So I, I restate the question. Who are you listening to? What are your kids hearing? What is our church preaching? Because you will always find the truth in Jesus, and you'll never need to look anywhere else. Thank you.